0: Um, I'm ready. <laughs> was gonna say that if you say
1: something then the late night boys might hear you oh, but shoot. you fucked it up eugene <laughs> where, where are god fire damn it years, well it's the return of the late night boys back at you with another uh well oh shit well it's not as late as i thought um, <laughs> it's later than <laughs> we usually record and this is the pod people i'm your host matisse van Rossum, and i'm joined as always by my good good supposed to be quiet pals Ben you Sheets, you don't not pay Ooh. us to be quiet here. And Eugene jumping in before I even introduce him. That's Eugene. Should have introduced
0: me first. That's your problem, man. <laughs> well, I'm running. I'm I'm taking over the show. Well, That's tonight, good. we're uh, joined by a special guest,
1: our good buddy, uh, Joe Shea. Thank you for joining us, Joe. My pleasure. Uh, and we're coming at you with another mini-pod, this time talking about the new film, The Quiet Place. Directed it's A Quiet Place. A Quiet Place? Whatever, Eugene. Oh, That's my That's going to be the sequel. It's going to be The Quiet, the quiet gonna, yeah. Place. The Quiet Place. Some Quiet Place, Many Quiet Places.
2: Quiet place was directed by uh Jim from the office, yeah,
0: Jim from the office uh he's America's sweetheart for the early two thousands but uh, Jim from the office with a beard right no, now he's i mean. When he yeah, has a he beard, was, he's called John Krasinski. He was in that Michael Bay movie too about like the soldiers in Benghazi. So he's thirteen like, hours, right? And he, yeah, now I didn't in, see So that. he's like, I'm a, I'm a. He tried to be Captain America. He's like, i i I can do this action hero stuff. I'm not everyone's lovable schlub. was man. he in
2: one of those like Jack Reacher movies?
0: Oh, he's in the, the show or something. The okay? show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the he's the Jack Reacher guy. This ain't your mama's
1: gym no more. <laughs> John Krasinski is like American his favorite daddy now ever since he grew a beard <laughs> but yeah he uh he directed and starred in uh, a quiet place but it was uh written by brian woods and scott beck uh the screenplay i don't know who these people are uh but apparently it was picked up as a uh, as a spec script and uh given to john krasinski and apparently was
0: briefly in discussion to be a part of the Cloverfield franchise. Well, which... I'm I'm sure that they realized if you want to make any sort of like movie that features creatures, you're gonna have a good chance of being part of the Cloverfield universe yeah. at See, this point. Uh,
2: someone mentioned a high concept spec script to J.J. Uh, Abrams, <laughs> and his mouth started watering.
1: Yeah, right. He's... I read that. Uh, the reason that they didn't end up turning this into a cloverfield movie is because there was discussions of doing a uh, quiet place 10 cloverfield lane crossover and they didn't like that so they decided to just like go off and do their own
0: thing does that sound like integrity is that <laughs> like is that someone staying sh- true sh- to like sh- there's... Sh- wait yeah is,
1: is that is that integrity slipping away <laughs> If you do have any interest in seeing A Quiet Place, make sure you go see it yourself before listening to this episode because it really lends itself to going in knowing as little as possible, and we are going to be getting into spoilers as usual. So if you've not seen the movie and you care about spoilers, stop the episode right now until you go check it out for yourself. You've been warned. Um, So yeah, this is basically a a new high concept sci-fi horror film uh, set in a post-apocalyptic world where the earth is overrun with monsters that can hear you real good. So you got to be real quiet or they're going to come do stuff with (laughs) your body parts.
0: Now, I think you're, uh, people might be getting the wrong idea. They just kill you. Don't worry. Like, <laughs> hey, they
1: do stuff with your body parts, separating them from your other body parts. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Detaching, just so they can play with it. Incidentally,
1: that will kill you. (laughs) I had high hopes for this movie. Uh, After the previews, it seemed to uh, not be your typical Blumhouse-style jump-scare-filled horror bullshit. Yes, no, this is a Michael Bay-produced film. That Uh, was the weirdest thing. When the credits rolled and I saw Michael Bay listen as an executive producer, I'm like, this doesn't make any (laughs)
2: sense. The last thing I expect from Michael Bay is quiet. Like. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I think
1: I think they probably had to fend Michael Bay off with like a very long stick like when they're on set shooting and just off in the distance. <clears throat> You have some more
2: explosions, but <laughs> it's fireworks. But it's fireworks. Oh, well, Where's that one might Optimus have gotten into. <laughs> they did. They did do fireworks. Yeah, he got a little bit for his money.
1: He was responsible for the fireworks scene. Yeah, I think so. I would say ultimately, this movie pretty well lived up to my expectations. Like I said, I had high hopes, and uh, I went into it expecting a lot, and came out with it uh, overall very satisfied. Yeah, I
2: was super impressed.
0: I was having a lot of, like, get-out flashbacks, because I remember when I first heard about it, I'm like, oh, Jordan Peele doing a horror movie. This sounds weird. And the trailers just didn't grab me at all. I I thought it looked really schlocky. And, well, I was blown away by that. Yeah. This was... It's, it's like uh, John Krasinski, right. Jim from The Office, directing a horror movie? And that there could be enough marketing built up just around that, that it could have been a bad movie, but uh, enough people would have seen it anyway, because like, oh, Jim's doing a horror movie, no way, oh, I I recognize him. I was, un-
1: I was under the impression that this was his uh, feature-length directorial debut, it's not. He directed uh, a couple of other feature films, two others. The hollers and brief interviews with hideous men.
2: Yeah, that one's uh, a David Foster Wallace adaptation.
1: I've not even heard of either of those movies. Have you you've seen any of them? Um, I haven't
2: seen either. I've heard good things about brief interviews, but I, not enough to be like, oh man, I'm excited for the new John Krasinski movie. You know? <laughs> it took me by surprise, for sure, that he uh, yeah,
0: directed this. I don't know what the hollers is about at all. His mom is sick. And so he, like, comes back home to just be around his family again. So one of those nice, sappy family drama-type dealios. Well, my point is,
1: I was very impressed with how well this movie was directed. Yes. It actually seemed to have, like, some artistic flair to it, which is something that is always very refreshing. I'd say this film is anything but by the numbers, which is always the most surprising thing when you see a a modern horror film, I think.
2: I feel like the biggest failure of high-concept film is not sticking to your conceit. And this movie does not do that. It totally sticks to the, you know, the conceit of not being able to talk or you know make loud noises and it sticks with it like which i i much loved throughout.
1: this is one of the the quietest non silent films i've seen in a really long time there's very very little spoken dialogue there's like maybe two scenes where they actually speak out loud and when and it happened, it's still really it never quiet out of place either. No, no no it never it felt like it was a appropriate time for them to speak and other than that it's all sign language with subtitles and uh i thought that that was really interesting and really well executed i will say i think this film leans a little too heavily on its jump scares there were some times where i felt that they seemed really unnecessary but a lot of them the like moment of quiet and then loud jump scare actually works because the entire film is mostly quiet so then the loud noise makes sense it's not just to startle you it's like shattering the silence it Uh, feels
2: much more motivated than in your normal absolutely definitely
1: yeah i i think the first scene is is really excellent where we start with them in the uh the old pharmacy, because one of the one of the kids is sick, and they have to uh, find some medicine for him. And you set up all these characters, the whole family, and then there's the the really young boy who keeps trying to play with a a toy space shuttle that would make way too much noise. And then having that build up where John Krasinski takes the batteries out, and then the daughter gives the batteries back, and then when they're almost back to their house, he fires it up. And then just immediately get snatched up by one of the monsters. I think that yeah. that is
2: uh, the a... way the the whole scene is structured is really well done too. Ooh. You know, it's uh, it's paced really well in that like you almost don't know if he's gonna do it. I mean, obviously we've seen the trailers. Yeah, in the trailers kind of that we do That's see that. That's one of the few things that is kind of spoiled in the trailers. But we never realized at any point that it would be as kind of gruesome as it was. Well,
1: see, I always expected that based off the trailers that uh, John Krasinski would get to the kid just before the monster does and then that's just not the case. Yeah. Like, uh, he just gets snatched right up and then it cuts to like a year later. And that first scene is so well done too because, I mean, there's no speaking but even there's very little like communication but you can tell that they're just absolutely petrified of making any noise and if you go into it knowing nothing it's like so tense like why are they trying so hard to be quiet and then you find out in just a few minutes what happens if you make even
0: a little bit of noise there's newspapers laid out all over the um all over the ground, and some of them have really goofy headlines like "It's sound," <laughs> or like they they can hear you. Just those like like in Day of the Dead when it says like the dead walk. just yes, that, right.
1: Like, but it doesn't do some one of those obnoxious things where it'll like cut to the newspaper headline and then pull out as like the newspaper blows down the street. It's just no, kind of no, like it just did. I mean, he, he just does have that whiteboard
2: that explains the aliens to the oh audience. well.
1: Once once yeah. we get back to the to their farm, yeah, then, then you learn a little bit more. (laughs) but uh i really appreciate this conceit of not being able to make any sound because it really ups the tension like i was pretty well on the edge of my seat for most of this movie because even the tiniest little noises seem really loud you know like you don't know what's going to attract these these monsters i want to talk about the pg-13 rating I did not even realize that this movie was
0: rated PG thirteen until we left the theater. Yeah. I remember I looked at the ticket, but when the movie started going on, I thought like I, I didn't even realize until after the movie, like oh that that felt really really intense for just like a PG thirteen movie. The amount because they're still they they do a lot of clever framing or. Or having it uh, like kills off screen, like people getting cut up. But yeah, I mean they, but they leave most of that
1: to your imagination. But it doesn't feel like it's dumbed down to get the PG thirteen rating. It's not like in a in an action movie where people are getting shot left and right and there's no blood, you know. Uh, well,
0: and there's still, uh,
1: yeah, a good amount of blood, uh, like. In certain moments. Probably probably just about as much blood as they could put in and still get away with the (laughs) PG-13
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. We were talking about how this movie kind of feels like it was originally longer. It seemed like they trimmed some stuff out. Which, I mean, it worked. The pacing worked really well in the movie as is right now, in my opinion. But I wonder if some of that was cutting out for PG-13.
1: I wonder the same thing, because it does almost seem like it was shot with the intention of being an R-rated film, uh, especially with some of the stuff like when... uh, John Krasinski and the the little boy are like out catching fish, and they come across that old man and the the brutalized old lady, and they like cut away right before they show any of the uh of the like real gore. It almost seems like they probably like had had all that shit, like, built and set up and shot it, and then they're like, well, we're going to make this PG-13, so let's cut that down a little bit. I wouldn't but be
2: surprised by that. But I it's mean, done
1: It's done in such a way that it doesn't feel obvious. Like I said, I didn't realize this was PG-13 until after we got out of the yeah, theater. Yeah,
2: they, they frame it every time in a way that leaves it to the imagination,
3: which makes it almost feel more gruesome. Definitely. You know? Yeah, I think the sound design... And people with very like vivid and creative minds suddenly make the film feel more graphic than it is.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
3: Absolutely. Well,
1: the sound is, uh, I understandably for a movie like this, like really the the shining star. I think like the sound design is so good for such a quiet movie. They really exaggerate like the tiny little noises because you know that these people's lives totally hinge on not making any sound whatsoever. And one of the one of the children is deaf too, and apparently she's actually deaf in real life. I was oh, reading that. Yeah, this is only the second film she's done. Uh, I think she did uh, To the Wonder, Wonderlust, um, Wonderlust, something, something like that, Wonder yeah. something, <laughs> um, Wonder Wheel. Probably not that one. <laughs> Keep children away from Woody Allen. <laughs> But apparently, she's actually deaf. And what I really liked is, especially where when they cut to her perspective, that just all the sound cuts out. Yeah, and that's at, just totally silent.
2: At first, I was like, "Is that supposed to be intentional?" But then they they did a really good job of building it up in a way that didn't feel too forced.
1: And I mean, it, it provides a, a convenient reason for this whole family to be very fluent in sign language, but also it adds to the threat on the little girl because she can't hear anything that's happening around her. And I think that that's a a really clever way to sort of like up the stakes a little bit.
2: Absolutely.
1: Yeah, this is a really small cast. It's mostly just the family, John Krasinski. uh, Emily Blunt is his wife, uh, also real-life wife. (laughs) Um, And uh, the kids kids are good, too. Like, the acting is real solid across the board. I don't... don't know if any of them are given names
0: in the movie
1: uh not in the movie uh if you look at the imdb page all all the characters are named but none of the characters are addressed by name in the actual film
0: like that the the little kid i i thought he did good otherwise but his uh and it might have just been the fact that what they were talking about was really like expository a little a little a little jammed in yeah there's a the the scene where john krasinski brings uh the young boy over by the waterfall, and then they start having a conversation. Like, do you, you know, do you blame her for like the death of the kid? Which I don't know about you guys. Like, I didn't read any of that like beforehand in terms of like. Well, their... I I could tell that she blamed herself, which right, she does but that, because like...
1: she gave him back the toy and the batteries. But oh, she didn't give the batteries back. She oh, well, yeah, toy. she gave him the toy back, and he grabbed the batteries. So. Yeah, I I mean it's obvious that she blames herself, but I didn't get the impression that John Krasinski. No, that, and that's what and I, I mean. And I don't think I don't think you're supposed to. I think he like he seems legitimately surprised when the little boy asks like Do you still love her?" He's right. like, "Well, yeah, of course." Like I don't think he he blames her at all, but in at the same time, I don't think he realizes how much she blames herself. I guess yeah, because it cuts like a year or about a year. Yeah, cuz they cuz they do throughout the movie they do like day such and such. Right. The first they start is like with day 89 day 89 and then and 472 472 something, something like that.
0: After the so like a, like a like a little over a year afterwards is when they yeah, cut yeah. to and cuz uh, uh Emily Blunt is uh is pregnant at this point when we see them again. Which,
1: which goddamn.
3: Hmm. Let's talk about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I I
1: think that uh I mean, it works really well as a conceit for the movie, but just from like practical standpoint, like how fucking irresponsible is it? Try to have a fucking baby in a world where if you even speak in a normal volume, that monsters are gonna come kill you. And you they're know? they're also plan- the
2: quietest sex.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, obviously the, they must the- be Mormons. We, just, <laughs> we didn't know that they're still trying to create a big family even in the apocalypse. And it's like. We don't know
3: when they made that soundproof room, though. So. Right. Fair well, enough.
1: yeah, they've yeah. they do show at least that they've been preparing for the baby coming. They have like a soundproof bunker and a fucking box that they run uh, an oxygen uh, mask right. through if so they can put the baby if So they baby, can put the baby in the box and shut
0: it up. If the baby ain't going to get eaten up by a creature at some point, it's probably going to grow up blind <laughs> just being in darkness all the time. But like it's it, a crazy. At sound.
1: least at least for the movie. It makes a very good uh impending threat that ends up paying off like at some point emily blunt's gonna have to give birth and they're gonna have to be like how do we stay quiet when we have like a newborn baby and even as the child grows up we see what happens when like a four-year-old gets a hold of a fucking toy you know can't even stay quiet like that's just upping the ante so much trying to stay alive in this world you know so that's something that I was just like continually thinking about over the course of the movie. But from a filmmaking standpoint, I think it makes sense and it didn't bother me at all because it really does lead for some of the most uh, exciting parts of the movie. I'd say like this movie is pretty definitively cut in half. Like the whole first half is very slow. Not a whole lot happens. It's a lot of buildup. And then the whole last 45 minutes is like nonstop climax.
0: Yeah. Which it feels like it sort of it earns just through its pacing that uh, when all of this starts to happen, it doesn't feel like oh now they're they're doing this to satisfy some sort of studio demand for more like explosions. Or... Right. It's like this is this is the
1: payoff for the very slow burn of the first half of the movie, where we really get a good long time to see how. They live and thrive, well, thrive, but uh, at least make ends meet in this world. They've got a nice farm set up, you know, they've got all this stuff set up to protect them. They've got the the light system where they've got the all the bulbs that run around their farm. and then if there's monsters nearby, they change the color to red. I thought that was very cool, and having them walk on the the paths of sand that they put right, down, yeah, I thought that was really cool sand too. Everywhere, uh, I thought that was really smart. And this movie does a lot of that, as opposed to like Ravenous that we were talking ah. about, where they set up fucking mouse traps just in the woods, and like, oh, I heard a mouse <laughs> trap, there must be a zombie nearby. It's like, no, it just could be a squirrel, bro. I, I I think a lot of that stuff is like really clever. You know, I saw a lot of things in this movie that I have not seen. In other horror movies. You know, this is the same kind of thing with like Don't Breathe a couple of years ago. Even Hush. Or Hush. You know, well, I mean, in Hush, just the protagonist is deaf. The killer is not, like, a super... Sure, yeah,
2: but, like, it's the it's same kind of conceit where, like, one sense is gone. Right, right. Well, yeah, and, like, Don't Breathe, where they have to,
1: you know, escape the house and they've got this blind guy hunting them. It's kind of the same thing, but it didn't feel like it was retreading a bunch of common ground. Like, it felt thought out and well considered and well executed and I really appreciated that.
2: Yeah, I think it's strength lied in uh how great the pacing was in terms of, you know, the build up. It set the world really well while still being super tense. The first half of the movie while it was slow, like Oh, it's still very tense. Yeah. You're you're nervous at any loud noise. Someone could have dropped some popcorn behind me and I probably would have jumped, honestly. Yeah,
1: right. Well, I mean, it really makes you think about things like, how would I survive this world? What would happen if I have really bad gas and I'm farting a lot? Like, what would happen if I get a cold and start coughing, you know? Like, for me, like, I snore really loud when I sleep. How would
3: I be able to sleep
2: safely, you know? (laughs) What if I have quiet sex with my wife and then have a baby?
3: Yeah, what are you going to do in that case? Yeah, it was really interesting to watch all the emotions be stifled. Like, when they would laugh, they couldn't actually laugh. Mm -hmm. They just could smile because they knew just them laughing would screw them. Right. Which is crazy. And it just constantly gets you involved in it. Yeah, I think so
1: too. And I'm I was really impressed with how much emotion and characterization we're able to get from mostly just facial expressions without act, like cuz even the couple of times they talk you know they're still having to be relatively quiet so you can't get a whole lot of emotion delivered in actual dialogue so you have to do all of your acting has to be physical acting and they do a fucking standout job especially John Krasinski and Emily Blunt the kids do a good job too but i would say like Emily Blunt like really turns that shit up like
3: yeah, definitely
1: when when the shit really starts to hit the fan, and she goes into labor, and then she steps on that fucking nail on the basement steps,
2: and I, I would say that's when the movie really starts picking up. Is oh when yeah, her water breaks, mm-hmm. and like you know, like it's getting real because who can have a quiet pregnancy,
1: right? But I I mean they've they've built that soundproof bunker for just that that reason, but then. As she's going down to the basement, she steps on that fucking exposed nail and cries out and drops uh, a picture frame and obviously alerts the monsters, and then, it's, then man, that shit all really ramps up, where she's... For like fifteen minutes, having to stifle her her labor pains while she's being followed around by this
0: big, scary invincible monster which uh the the monster in the movie, when we finally do get to see it uh when it's revealed i I thought it looked awesome It's probably one of the best movie monsters i've seen in in a while Agreed. just
2: yeah, like it had such a gross, otherworldly look to it. His
0: so, are sort of like a like a, a you know he's got the giant pincer type things for for arms. Honestly, it kind of remind reminded me of like the
1: Cloverfield monster. Yeah, like a mini Cloverfield. The Cloverfield monster meets the Demogorgon from Stranger <laughs> Things. <laughs> that like that was the the crossover that i got and i mean they looked they looked good i think i was maybe a little more underwhelmed by the monsters than you guys were but it was still very cool especially as we get to see more of them throughout the rest of the film and, and you see that like the well when way like they, it's the way they hunt and that like they have all these plates on their faces that like open up and yeah, expose I, I the, the plates were brilliant that no that shit was very very cool i i was very into that even though you do get to see a lot of the monsters in the last half of the movie how they still have a lot of restraint with it until the last couple of scenes where you only see it briefly or it's really dark the the framing puts it in such a way where it's not like fully revealed that they didn't just do what so many movies do and just like once they show the monster then anything's game You know, they still try to keep it sort of obscured for a good chunk of the movie up till the very end, which I absolutely appreciate. And that scene where Emily Blunt's in the bathtub, like, having the baby and the monster's, like, right outside the door, and then the the little boy manages to set off the fireworks, do the Michael Bay scene, and distract
2: (laughs) it. The set pieces, I thought, were particularly effective. You know, uh, you have, obviously... The, the nail in the... Yeah, in the
1: basement. In the basement. And she sets off the uh, the egg timer or the kitchen timer. Which I
2: thought timer. was super smart. I thought that was a really cool thing. I liked that, too. Um, the silo, I thought, was also very, very uh, well done in how, like... It's been done before, silos. Something about it just felt more intense than normal. Well,
1: it's one of those things where, like, it's multiple threats that sort of compound like when the little boy falls into the silo and the girl's trying to help him and he's like drowning in corn. And so she has to save him. But at the same time, how are you supposed to do that while being quiet? And so it of course attracts the attention of the monster or one of the monsters. And then you've got like, how do we avoid drowning in this corn and also fend
0: off this invincible nightmare creature? Apparently, that sort of stuff, uh, the writers of the movie based a lot of this from their experiences uh, being on a farm. That makes sense. uh, I'm sure they they did it like crane silos to them. It's like, that shit's dangerous. (laughs) Gotta watch out for those. (laughs) You gotta be careful where you're standing in the
1: silo, because if you take one wrong step, you're gonna be right at the bottom of that corn. You're gonna be dead. (laughs) But imagine that, but with monsters. (laughs) The dangers of living on a farm, but with monsters. I, what I also really liked is. The movie never feels the need to go into backstory for anything whatsoever, like about these people, what their lives were like before this happened, where these monsters even came from. That's never even the slightest bit explored. Are they aliens?
2: Are they demons? Like, where do they come from? Well, yeah, that's the cool thing. They do some world building in it, but they keep it limited to the scope. But only by
1: showing you the world that these people are living in. Yeah, they yeah. never try to explain. They they're the only world.
2: limited to the scope of the family. Like you get right. that news, those newspaper clippings and stuff, but that's only what John Krasinski's character like frames up. You know, right? It's-
1: because he wants to, of course, find the 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 creature's weakness so he can protect his yeah. family. And you and- find
2: out that like. There are other people alive but only yeah. through like fires being set on top of silos every Yeah, day. very that early. Was
0: cool. That felt like something that might have been cut out because they don't run into anyone else besides that old man, but when that when that happens it feels like it comes out of nowhere and so yeah, I wonder that, if we Yeah, that that scene to...
1: that scene was probably the most confusing to me when they find this old man and like I assume his wife or friend or somebody who's been killed But, like, I was kind of wondering when I saw that, I kind of assumed that the old man killed her. And then, like, you know, it's in the trailer, too, where, like, John Krasinski, like, tells him to be quiet. And then he just screams and lures one of the monsters to him and kills him. But that was a scene where it felt like that there was more to that originally. And then they ended up cutting it down for time. Yeah,
2: it's like you're in day 472. You know, you're just being an asshole. (laughs)
1: <laughs> right like even even if he stumbled upon the corpse of his wife or whatever and had lost his will to live and just wanted to die why do that with a youngish man and his young son standing right there like why put them in danger like that's the most like douchey yeah, thing the rude could, boy behavior that is that is bonafide rude boy behavior and i don't condone it i think that scene is very well executed because at that point we still haven't seen the monster and the way they show the monster like take the guy while having it be mostly obscured by trees like that stuff all works really well but the scene feels so out of place it's like
0: why did this happen and uh yeah i wonder if there was like a scene where they they run into them where they like exchange conversation about something because then we would you know like we would get something more about how this old man or how yeah. they just cuz the house also looks like real run down i mean even outside of it being attacked feels like w- there's there's more that was set up that we just like the the payoff is still there when it doesn't it doesn't make as much sense
1: yeah i mean it's such a it's such a little minor thing and it's so well done that it didn't hurt the movie for me but i still especially in hindsight, I'm just like that scene just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me in the context of the rest of the movie mm-hmm. at, at a certain point, And this is something that I, that I did kind of have a problem with at a certain point. We realized that the monsters hear using some sort of projected signal because it like interrupts electricity and other stuff, and it keeps fucking with the little girl's hearing aid when they're too close by, and the feedback from the hearing aid like totally disables the monsters.
0: Right, that I, seemed
1: a little bit too convenient for me. Yeah, and
0: also like, what is the weakness? You never tried doing anything. That's so really... that's another thing. That was something that I I had a hard time maintaining right. my I mean, hey, it's not disbelief. like they built, like, he's the
1: world's top a- alien scientist. like yeah, right. <laughs> but, I mean, the they make a point that bullets and bombs, like, you see a newspaper... Clipping that's like bullets and bombs don't work, you know, like that's why they can't kill these things, but they know they hunt by sound. So I find it extremely hard to believe that no government scientist would think to try to use sonic weaponry when against they them. first
2: explained that. I was worried that it would be like her ears connected to the stereo. Oh, jumping. thank god oh, it. it wasn't that <laughs> big. Like, oh, the only thing to take down this hearing monster is a deaf girl's ears oh thank god that never crossed my mind they dodged that just slightly i mean (laughs) and that's why i was a little more okay with it
1: i do think the way that they introduce that scene is or that thing is really fantastic the little girl is out in the cornfield looking for her brother and the mo- one of the monsters comes out of the corn like onto the path right behind her and she obviously can't hear it because she's deaf And but it can't hear her either but it's getting closer and closer and closer I thought that scene was really, really great really tense, really scary and then it gets too close it starts listening real hard they do that a couple of times where they like zoom in on its Step ear right hole on, ear. <laughs> on its gross alien monster ear hole and it's like, oh, it's listening so hard and then the feeling. Feedback from her hearing aid starts fucking it up and that's eventually how they end up beating it at the end and i thought that was a, a little bit corny i wish that they had not and maybe this is cynical but i wish they had not ended the movie on such a hopeful positive note i think as such a small contained story that this is I kind of felt that it was a little bit cheap for these people to be the ones to figure out, oh, we got the monster's weakness now.
2: Now we know how to fight back. You know, it was. Somewhat, I, somewhat. I like the movie gave me the Mist's vibes. Okay, it. yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, and it had a similar bleakness to it for the majority of the movie.
1: But the Mist's ending is appropriately bleak for yeah, the rest yeah, of that yeah, movie yeah. whereas this one is like
2: not how they do it be in this in this movie because you know it's still a little hopeful, but ultimately, you know, they only have so many shotgun shells, and there's a lot of monsters out there. It's not really that hopeful. Ultimately, oh, I
0: mean, that's like—I mean, that, I guess that's obviously not their intention. They're not. Yeah, you're not supposed to think like epilogue, and then they ran out of bullets, and were are and all then Emily blood the killed, was... and then Emily Blunt killed all the monsters. <laughs> I guess, yeah, the other way is silly, but it just—I think it's more. It feels tonally inappropriate. With everything I think so. Else. that was set up because... It's like like the final shot is Emily Blunt smiling and pumping the
2: and shotgun. Yeah, that feels yeah, so yeah, like Yeah, that so was, that was the goofy. biggest thing that didn't
1: work. <laughs> that was the goofiest shit for me. Yeah, when uh <laughs> they're they're down in the basement in John Krasinski's radio room and the girl jams her hearing aid up against the
0: uh microphone right. so they Which can that, blast that baby it. that baby in addition that to the will, gr- yeah, will probably growing yeah. up blind. He will also be, be deaf. deaf. So maybe that they will be like the strongest being. Hell Ke- Helen teaching. Keller, too. <laughs> oh,
1: <God. laughs> But I mean, I I would have been fine with it ending on a hopeful note in just the fact that they survived the night. They survived this, you know, really harrowing horrible experience. John Krasinski sacrificed himself to save the kids. You know, that was a very emotional scene. They survived, but shit, you know, the world still sucks and now we gotta, like, we gotta you know, keep going on. But the way they sort of play out the last couple of scenes is like, oh, now we know their weakness, so now we can beat them you know and that felt a little bit tonally inconsistent for me with how how sort of bleak the rest of the movie was it
2: almost felt like they were kind of writing themselves in a corner for that Because when you have monsters that seem so unstoppable for the majority of the movie... For them to be so easily defeated? Well, you have to have some sort of climax where, like, unless you're going full-on, super bleak, every character dies, like, you have to have some sort of resolution where they overcome them somewhat. And I feel like because of that, like it kind of falters because they almost do it a little too, hopefully. Like, it's one thing if they kill the monster and then are just stuck.
1: I think they could have done it with, like, uh, the monster's going to attack the little girl, it ends up getting disoriented because of the feedback from her hearing aid, and then when it's unaware and it's left itself exposed, then, oh, Emily Blunt kills it. But to be like, oh, now we've got the power, we've got the weapon, like, that's what it felt a little overdone like this is not a schlocky funny movie and like two or three times in that last scene i laughed out loud (laughs) and i love schlocky horror movies but when they need to be
0: consistently they need to be consistently
1: schlocky i don't want like a really solid well done smart high concept horror movie to end with me laughing at it you know like that's
2: honestly i think it was just the shotgun cock that did it for me
3: like yes. the rest. Well, of that it was, was really worked. the worst.
2: The rest of it was carried by how good the monster design was. When you saw the face kind yeah, of bulge like... out with the <laughs> the
3: shell kind yeah. of armor type of stuff. And ending it on Emily Blunt, I think, was a mistake. The daughter was, I think, the... she was the real hero.
1: I think, yes. and, but well, the way they set her up by the end, yeah. But the the shotgun cock and the smile was just way overdoing it. Like I that was like as the credits are rolling and I'm laughing, that's a problem (laughs) like that. That's not how I want a movie like that to end. I mean, it's it's overall such a minor thing. The rest of the movie Mm -hmm. does its shit so fucking well. Mm -hmm. It's easily forgivable, but it's it's those little things like that where like these just these tiny little issues I have
2: with it. Keep it from being like a perfect film, you know? I wonder if that ending was put in due to studio pressure. Probably. too bleak. Well,
1: yeah, it's a PG-13 movie. They have to end it on a somewhat hopeful note, you know, which is frustrating. It's sort of a far cry from a movie that ends with the death of a four-year-old, so... Or or a movie that begins with the death of a Mm four-year-old, I should say. Kind of an an inconsistent ending, but... You know, overall, I think it's uh, there's there's a lot of really fantastic scenes in in this movie. Really smart. Um, I I did think it was kind of weird when the bunker underground started flooding, but I really liked the scene we got out of it, where she Emily Blunt just wakes up after having given birth, and then the 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 top has fallen off the baby coffin, and it's just floating. <laughs> It's a, it's a fucking baby right, coffin. No, hey, and it's just floating around the room, and then there's a fucking monster in the corner, and she has to get to the baby before and it then starts crying. And in the
0: water. It's oh, like, yeah, and then, yeah, then the monster dives be...
1: in the water and starts swimming around. That was something that was unexpected that I thought Which, was very creepy. Like,
0: knowing that, like, it doesn't work on sight, and, like, maybe it's trying to, to hide, but also it's like, it's like I just want to swim. <laughs> just... <laughs> is, it, is it bad that by the end
1: of the movie... The very clear thought Popped in my head Man for being blind These monsters sure are good At walking down (laughs) stairs Cause they do it so many times In the movie is like they're hiding And you hear the The monsters walking down the stairs Like those bitches are blind They should have a much harder time With those stairs See by the
2: time they got to it It was like day 470 I'm sure like the first (laughs) Dozen days They've been practicing Dozens of monsters Falling down Day
1: Day one in New York City, we cut and just the monsters are just all tumbling down staircases endlessly. Huge circular
2: flight of stairs, just <laughs> waterfalls of monsters. Just like down. just like 80 flights of
1: stairs, the monsters are just tumbling down and crashing into the wall, and then tumbling down the stairs more. Okay, yeah, so that's what they've been doing. John Krasinski and his family have been learning how to live. The monsters have been learning how to deal with stairs.
2: So now there's three movies that focus on like senses, you know. You have hush with uh, speaking, you have don't breathe with sight, you have quiet place with hearing. I'm only going to get one where uh, you can't smell, <laughs> <laughs> <My> <laughs> or it's God. just a really smelly monster. I smell death. It's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a, death is coming.
1: <laughs> it's a, a garbage man who's a serial killer.
2: What if uh it's like sixth sense, but he can only smell ghosts? <laughs> he can only smell dead people.
1: It's the sixth sense, but it's the opposite. It's the one sense. <laughs> he he can only feel things. He can feel ghosts.
0: <laughs> but he can't see, hear, smell, taste. And that's it. <laughs> uh not many people are lucky enough to be able to taste ghosts. <laughs> I just a- meant or- taste you- in
1: general, but what do you think a ghost tastes like? <laughs>
0: Marshmallow fluff. You're just saying that because of Ghostbusters, <laughs> isn't everyone? When everyone talks about ghosts, they're only like, it's because of Ghostbusters.
1: I think ghosts probably taste pretty fucking bad,
0: Eugene. And you haven't tried one. You're right, because <laughs> I'm afraid of ghosts. <laughs> uh, well, shall we uh, jump into our uh, ratings
1: for? Yeah,
3: unless like- you guys have anything else you want to talk about, Joe. Do you have
1: any other things you wanted to bring up?
3: I just want to say the ending of that film. Was Michael Bay's touch on this?
1: It was like, wouldn't it be great if at the end Emily Blunt looks at the camera and cocks her shotgun? That would <laughs> be only really I'm paying cool. for
2: this movie. If, uh, if Emily Blunt cocks the shotgun right before you cut credits.
0: <laughs>
2: you
1: know what really gets my dick hard? Is when pretty girls smile at me and pump shotguns.
3: He just is like, a Victoria's Secret model stand-in with a shotgun. She's barely wearing anything. It's just like, wait. That's the only wait. shot
2: of her in the What's movie, too.
3: What? All right, uh, Eugene,
0: do you want to start? We'll go around in a circle. Yeah. Uh, I remember when I first saw the, the trailers, I thought it would, uh, just like uh, uh, people have talked about horror movies, sort of representing the times, it's like you know, it's, it reflects on just like oh, in this day and age, we feel like we gotta we gotta keep hush hush about stuff, just especially this political landscape. You gotta watch what you say. But mm. this film is really more about the struggles of parenthood. <laughs> it's uh, it's just John Krasinski and Emily Blunt trying to protect their family, and I think the concept, that idea, they just had like their second kid together in real life so I think that that uh, gives a lot of strength to uh, the bond that these characters have mom even and without... dad too yeah right <laughs> but even without them having to say anything like you can you can tell there's uh, that like desire that strength between them all and um, I think that that is uh is just a great uh playing field for uh just what happens to them these monsters destroying absolutely everything and it has a lot of uh, a lot of energy within the whole movie, even with uh, how how bleak it feels a lot of the time. It it really keeps you in it. I know there were a lot of people when we were watching it; like a couple people walked out because yeah. I guess they they couldn't handle it. How quiet? Not it was. even not even that far into the movie no, either. I think either. they just
1: got bored and left, and uh, Which they
0: they really did themselves. Uh, I mean, after you buy the ticket too, you're just like. It's sit your ass down just
2: like what else are you going to do for the well, next yeah, also don't
1: walk out of a movie 30 minutes after it starts <laughs> like give it a chance I don't want
2: to read subtitles let's go see Ready Player One <laughs> yeah right we could catch the next show with. man
1: I'm just happy that we were not like next to a loud movie or like there's a loud movie in the theater next oh, to yes, us because right. exactly. I was I
0: was very worried about that for well, such also, a quiet movie like, you could hear the speakers like fuzz when, oh, when yeah. certain oh, things yeah. were going on so yeah uh, is something that should be seen in theaters as well just uh really great at keeping it quiet just so when you do have any noises it it's an appropriate and i think well earned uh jump and as you mentioned jump scares i feel like a lot of them are are earned through the amount of uh amount of quiet that they have built through everything well, else well yeah
2: absolutely the sound design in the theater you know while it's quiet you get the uh, you get audio good fidelity good sound, that you yeah. don't normally get on like a uh, home theater. Yes. Set.
0: And thank God we were with an audience that was willing to do the same. It was willing really to ar-
2: shut the fuck yes. up.
0: God damn it. we have been have a couple terrified.
1: <laughs> I was terrified of having another get out theater experience where everybody is just loudly talking at full volume during the movie. Yes. Yeah, so. Thank
0: God people shut the fuck up for a quiet place. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, what would you rate that? And this? so I'll give it a I'm gonna give it a five out of five. I think that oh, okay. even with um, with, with what little, uh, gripes they may have with certain things, I, I, I just feel what the movie does well. It does really well. It looks great too. Apparently it's a, I know it's not a, uh, like a very visually, uh, spectacular movie, but it's the same cinematographer from, uh, The Hunt or that, that Thomas Vinterberg. Oh, movie. I love yeah. that movie. And that makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. So <laughs> just bringing on that, uh, that sadness through the visuals it uh. Did a great job with all that. So yeah, five out of five, five for five. me. Right. I I hope John Krasinski tries his hand at horror movies again because I don't think anyone's watching his dramas.
1: Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm overall extremely pleased with this movie. Uh, Yet another excellent modern high concept horror film from a director who by no rights should make a
0: horror movie this good, you know. And it is not produced by Blumhouse. And it's not produced by Blumhouse. That is important. It's not produced by Blumhouse.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, I have some some minor gripes. Uh, I think some of the jump scares are uh, unnecessary and cheap. Uh, I think they rely a little too heavily on that, but uh, much less frustrating than the majority of the horror movies I see. Uh, You know, it starts to get a little bit schlocky towards the end, but it's such a minor capacity that it doesn't take away from the rest of the film too much. I love horror films that are extremely personal, that focus on a couple of people or a very, very small group of people. I think those are the best. You get something like this, you get... Uh, like it follows the Baba Duke, the witch, Good Night, Mommy, Mom and Dad. Uh, you know, a lot of these films we've been talking about lately is you know it's it's a it's a very small select core group of people that you really get to know. And I think those are the horror films that are the strongest, and I think that in the next few years, this movie will definitely be considered in the same vein of films as the ones that i've just listed sound design is fantastic i love the the silence of this i think they rely a little too heavily on music in the second half i wish they would strip away more of the music if a film like no country for old men can go totally scoreless then i think a film like this could do it too and i think that would just elevate it for me a little bit but overall really excellent movie Uh, well acted well directed uh, spooky scary looks fantastic so for my couple little gripes I'm gonna give it a four and a half out of five
3: for me one of the best things about this film was that I didn't watch a movie trailer and it gave me a really just clean slate to go into the film Uh, so the experience was just perfect for me. I didn't even know that we were dealing with monsters. I didn't know if it was going to be people or what the film was about. I was blown away at just the the nuance throughout the film and how much I was compelled to really care for this family. Holy shit, John Krasinski's death had me bawling like a baby. I did not expect that. And yeah, just that moment of him not going out like a badass was very important and just very, like, a sacrificial moment, which there's so many, like, tender moments in this film. And I think sometimes films can lack that. And I personally, I really liked uh, the music when it was used. And I thought, like, all the, the jump scares were very motivated uh, due to its story. Uh, the experience for me was definitely a five out of five. But I think, like, thinking through it all, I would agree with you, Matisse. Four and a half out of five for me.
2: All right, Ben, bring us home. Yeah, so the tricky thing about doing high-concept movies like this is it's you have to explain a lot to the audience almost immediately. And uh, the problem some people get into when uh, making high-concept movies like this is they try to explain too much, try to broaden the scope to kind of an epic level. The thing I really like about this movie is it keeps a very limited perspective on everything. By keeping everything within what the family, you know, can see or uh, can understand, it really uh, limits the the audience's understanding and thus elevates the tension of the movie. And whoa, man, is this movie tense. Tense as hell. Absolute throughout. This movie... I don't think there's been a horror movie that's made me squirm this much. Uh, I can second that. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's such a simple way to do it with, you know, the use of sound in the movie. I think it's just elevated so much with how well this movie's paced. Um, and you go from set piece to set piece to set piece, and even when there's lulls, it's still super tense because you're always thinking, "Oh man." I don't want them to make any loud noises. I want them to not step on anything, not to knock anything over. But yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, I have a minor gripe with, you know, that Chuck and Cock thing. Yeah, No, but I thought the rest of it was done just really well without, like, explaining too much. And while keeping it tense throughout. So I'm going to give it a four and a half out of five. I thought it was incredible w- worth checking out absolutely check it out in the theaters when you have that surround sound system to get the maximum out of the sound
1: yeah i would agree this is a very good uh theater going experience you know there's some movies where it doesn't really matter if you see it on the big screen or on the small screen but this is one of those movies you know if you have a chance to see it on the big screen absolutely do it and so that will give a quiet place uh an average rating of 4.6 out of 5 pods. So uh yeah, I think this is a movie that we all liked quite a bit and definitely 100% worth your time. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode. If you like the show, you can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Take a few seconds out of your day to do that, and we would greatly appreciate it. We'll work our way up in the in the numbers a little bit. Uh, you can follow the show on Facebook and Twitter, at Pod People Pod. And if you have any questions, concerns, recommendations for films, themes, and so on, you can email us at podpeoplepod at gmail.com. Also, send us those things on Facebook, and let us know what you thought of A Quiet Place. You can follow me on Twitter, at MrVanAwesome. If you're into that sort of bullshit, you know how it goes. And now we're
0: going to go around and give a chance for everybody else to plug some stuff. Eugene? Uh, Dub Massives, back, tu- uh, back rubs, and hot tubs is sort of... I, I did get in trouble with the law again. Turns out I was in the wrong house. I was in the wrong tub. And I guess like looking gave, back, you gave on the it, wrong rub. Gave the wrong rub. Looking back, like maybe I shouldn't have been naked. The fact that like <laughs> I I already got them naked was like that was bad enough. And you know, guy, like some people just like they love screaming. So you know, like he was he was making a big fuss. So I'm back in the game. Don't think I'm out. I'm going to do it forever. I live it. So. Just if you're looking for a rub, do you have any discounts? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I, I actually I have surge prices, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so catch catch me on like a Thursday between like three p.m. to five p.m. That's
2: those are my slow times. So let me build it up. <laughs> All right, Ben. Uh, yeah. Follow me on Twitter at Mr. Sheets if you want to hear me uh, incoherently yell about politics. <laughs> All right. uh, Joe,
1: thank you for joining us. Do you have anything that you'd like to plug? Anything that you're working on that people should be on the lookout for?
3: Yeah, definitely. I just finished assistant directing my first feature film, so at Palace Movie on Instagram, and check that out on Facebook.
1: When can we expect that film? Do you guys have a release date yet?
3: Fall of 2019. Fall of 2019.
1: Very excited. Check it out. It uh, seems very cool. I'm excited to see it. And uh, thank you very much for joining us, Joe. It was great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, until next time, stay quiet.